0: No purchase necessary, void were prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply, see website for details.
1: Are England doing testimonials now? Hello and welcome to episode 14 of The Real Football Cast. I'm your host Dan Tracy and in the next 60 minutes we will be dissecting all the hot topics in football. As per usual, we'll be discussing what has been going on in the Premier League over the past few days, but in addition to that, there are also some off-pitch activities that have caught our eye, and they'll be getting our attention also in the next hour. With the Champions League taking place later today, it's an earlier than usual recording, and that also means it's just JS running the channels in this one. But, as always, there's plenty to catch up on, so I know he'll be absolutely fine. And more importantly, JS, how have you been, my friend?
0: Very well, Dan. How are you?
1: Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Uh, A good weekend um, of uh, of football action, so Tottenham have a... you know, done well this weekend, so no complaints there, and, um, but more of that later. So I'll best do some social bits, social media bits first, otherwise. We'll be talking to the abyss once more. First, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at Tracy 1983 Anything show-related, send it my way. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. And if you do use that platform, then don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're not a fan of all things Apple, then you can find me on SoundCloud and Acast. While the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. As you should know by now, the Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loserpool. And what is Loserpool? I hear you ask. It's a new game that sees betting turning its head, with the focus being on the loser. And if that has grabbed your interest, then be sure to visit Loserpool.com and create an account. Especially as you can still sign up for the prize pool, which guarantees a winner one thousand pounds. Something you will not want to miss out on. Right then, it's time to go live. And as I said at the top of the show, there's a few off-pitch stories that have made the headlines in the past seven days. First up is the fact that Wayne Rooney is making a one-off return to England duty. So I guess it's a retirement game of sorts. JS, is this a decent gesture for England's record goalscorer, or does it make a mockery of the international game by turning it into, I guess, a glorified testimonial?
0: I I think it's okay. I mean, is it? I I think the the big question is: is it any worse than any other completely meaningless friendly?
1: No, I guess it's not really. I mean, I think if it was him just coming back to play one game, you'd think, well, what is the point? Especially, you know, we referenced last week, there's so few international dates to try and blood New England players. You know, we talked to mm. Alan Wilson at length. You sort of then would think, well, hang on, why is Glenn, uh, sorry, why is Wayne Rooney getting a, a game? But with the fact there's this sort of charity element... Were
0: you going to say Glenn Murray or Glenn Hoddle?
1: I was going to say Glenn sorry. Murray, because oh. we, referenced, we referenced Glenn Murray last week as well, didn't we? Because yeah. some, someone suggested to me that he should play for the England C team as a sort of gesture but I thought now that's a bit <laughs> because we would be a bit miffed if you were the yeah. the England C's opposition you thought okay well who's who's the non-league opposition we up against this week oh great we've got Glenn Murray as a ringer do you know what I mean like you'd be, be a bit miffed but we're going off a, on a track already um, the wrong track I should say but yes Wayne Rooney um, I guess yeah as a gesture from, for all his services to England I know he's not necessarily well, he hasn't won us anything in terms of international honours but will history be kind to Wayne Rooney
0: um, I, well, I, I think probably more realistically for club level, you know, obviously his, own, um, is he our record goal scorer? Yes, Kringlein? he is. He yeah, is. I think yep. he is, isn't he? Yeah, he, he overtook, he was at Cholton and Lineker, right. I guess, you know. Um. Well, Cholton won the World Cup, you know what I mean? Lineker helped fire us to the semi-final. Wayne Rooney... What did we get to a quarters of a euros or something one year? I mean, he was sort of the tail end of that so-called golden generation. Who, uh, you know, were they? I'm not sure to be honest. Certainly not at the international. Certainly not at international level. They won. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think. I don't know what it is in this country. We we kind of, like, it's always been a thing. We always do it. We kind of build people up and then knock them down. Um, I mean, you look at Harry Kane. He's, <laughs> like, model professional, double golden boot winner, all the rest of it, uh, World Cup golden boot winner. And he, he gets hammered, doesn't he? Like, apart from, like, Spurs fans, he gets hammerings from... Quite a lot of people, you must see it all the time on social media, and you oh, yeah, kind of, absolutely. like you must, you, you kind of think like Wayne Rooney is kind of held up as some kind of like holy saint among certain things because that's kind of been the narrative of certain clubs, you know, from like Sky and other sections of the media. If if Wayne Rooney had stayed at Everton his entire career, I don't think we'd we'd hold him in quite as great esteem. At his absolute peak, which was probably, what, four or five years, he he was one of our greatest ever strikers. And then he showed later in his career, he could play a sort of deeper midfield role, and actually, he was bloody good at it. So, I think history will be kind, but I'm hoping it will kind of place him in the, the correct context, which is... He he probably wasn't as good as someone even like Lineker or, you know, even if you go further back into the past to someone like Jimmy Greaves or you know, someone like that. But he's he's bloody good. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yes, I think, you know, like you said, it's easier to knock people these days, isn't it, and then rather giving the credit they're
0: deserving of um. well i th- I, th- I think not necessarily just knock i think it works both ways around i think there's high i think there's a lot of hyperbole like someone's either completely shit or the worst player ever after they've had like it? yeah like one bad game or they're the greatest thing ever they're world class when they're kind of like very good players but they're not world class you know what i mean like i, I i'm I'm of the view that there are only a handful. Wayne Rooney, at his absolute peak, was undoubtedly a world-class player. Um, but ultimately, I think he'll be judged more on his exceptional club record than his international career, where, let's be honest, if someone like Jimmy Greaves or even Lineker or whoever else you know, had... As many games as he did, and there, were, you know, half of them were against like Moldova or Georgia or the Faroe Islands or whatever. I, I have absolutely no doubt he he wouldn't be the record all-time leading goalscorer for England. You yeah, know?
1: because you're not really sort of considering things as equal, there are you? Like the that's such a great point that people forget sometimes that the quality of opposition, you know, like this. Just less international teams to play due to the yeah. Yeah, breakup break up of Europe, you know that we saw in the late nineties. Well, yeah, that's
0: Yeah, yeah, didn't even think about that. New, new, newly created countries, things like that. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, but
1: I think, um, yeah, I think history will be kind to Rooney. I think there's probably an element of frustration that there was so much promise, but again, maybe too much hype when he burst onto the scene mm. in 2004, and I think people thought this is the player to sort of lead us to real. Like glory, Boy, actually,
0: yeah, I, I agree. Do, do you think, um, whilst you mention that, do you think because because of, say, like, Owen was another one. I mean, he was an amazing player when he burst onto the scene, but again, only really did it for a few years. And he won the Ballon d'Or and all the rest of it. Do you, do you think because of sort of how Michael Owen's and Wayne Rooney's career kind of panned out, do you think that's why people are a lot more sceptical now about Harry Kane, do you think? Or less willing to sort of, blow, you know, blow him up into yeah. the kind of status he deserved? Or do you just think it's because he doesn't play for, like Liverpool or United or a mixture of the, the two, maybe? I
1: think... Do you know what? The, the first point is a very good point, actually. I think maybe fans are sort of thinking, we've been here before, we've had our fingers burnt, you know. We've had these two players on a pedestal, Owen Rooney and Ford. you know, these are the ones that are going to lead us to the real upper echelons of the international game. You know, we got to quarterfinals mm. and you sort of think, is that par? But then they sort of, their career sort of dropped off. So you're sort of yeah. hoping that Harry Kane doesn't get to sort of 26, 27 and then it just nosedives. You sort of hope that he's got much more longevity in his career. But um, I,
0: I kind of feel like he won't. I think I think he seems very sensible. Um and also, to be fair, he's he's already done more on the world stage than either of those two, minus that exceptional Argentina goal for Michael Owen. You know? do, you, do you know what I mean? He's, he's captained his country to their first World Cup in 28 years. First English Golden Boot winner since Lineker in 86. Uh, I, I, I kind of feel like... <laughs> He, he's already sort of surpassed what they've they've done on the international stage. So, in a way, it, it doesn't really matter because you think about how fondly Lineker's remembered now, uh, you know, as a player for England. I, I kind of feel like in 30 years' time, that's that's how people will remember Kane, you know.
1: They should, and I think you're right, but I also feel that uh, Gary Lineker didn't have the sort of potential social media backlash that could have negated anything he did What nearly 30 years ago, I think there's still will always be those naysayers that just, but I think that's more uh, than Yeah, time but, time I, that but,
0: but, but but I think ultimately, say in 30 years time when they're, they're making documentaries about England getting to the World Cup in semis in 2018 uh, people will just go, bloody hell oh, what a player he yeah, was yeah, they, happy, won't, they, they, right. they won't have the influence of rival fans being in the rear. Because for all the democratisation of um, the media with social media and all of the rest of it, people still ultimately trust traditional media outlets more than they do Steve from Dagenham. <laughs>
1: do, <laughs> Steve do, from the internet. No, I know exactly what you yeah, mean. Yeah, you
0: know, you know what I mean. It's like if I read something from like Barney Roney or Henry Windsor or whoever, Andrew Downey, I'm, I'm far more likely to listen to their genuinely expert and considered opinion on something than I am the aforementioned Steve from Dagenham.
1: No, you're so. absolutely right there, mate. Um, let's move on. Let's go to the Real Madrid job. It looks like one that is almost scaring people off. Now, we've spoken about this a couple mm. of times. Um, managers are now probably asking themselves, is it worth the hassle of all the yeah. that will come with it? So, so much so, it looks like Santiago Solari will be given the, uh, the role permanently, but... Is this something that's gonna be a marriage of convenience until you know the summer and then the market reopens?
0: Oh yeah, it's 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 a Di Matteo at like Chelsea job all over again, isn't it? You know. It, um you know, he could go on and win the Champions League and probably maybe be given another four months or you know or if he doesn't win the Liga or whatever else, you know <laughs> you, you know what that is. That's a poison chalice, which is why I I'm still sure that Pochettino at this stage won't take that kind of job I, I'm certain of it I still think they probably should have got Wenger to go in and manage manage them just for the rest of the season um, because he was talking about coming back in January which is a really weird time when you think about it you know what I mean unless he's already kind of semi agreed to, you know Something on the sly with the club, you know, or something like that. And he knows he's going somewhere in January, and he's been promised a transfer, Kitty or I don't know. Um, but it, it seems a weird one. I mean, it would be a, that that would be a better marriage of, of convenience, in my opinion. He he can go in, wise heads, calm the dressing room down a bit, get them playing. Because let's be honest, that that team doesn't you know ronaldo ronaldo's obviously going to add anything even at the age of 30 what is he 34 now
1: 33
0: 33 yeah even at the age of 33 he's still going to add something to any team in world football so if he's one of those very few players in world football you you know what i mean Lionel messi or another one but he's his he's one of those if you if you add him to a team He's going to make you better. It doesn't matter what team it is. So logically, if you remove him, you're going to be worse, whoever you are. Having said that, um, their their well of talent there is is absolutely astonishing. It's 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 extraordinary. Even without Ronaldo, there, you look at their team, and they shouldn't be struggling in the way in the way they are. You know. It's not just the Ronaldo thing. It's Sidan leaving. It's taking time to rebalance the team. They're, they're suddenly trying to, you know, build the team around Bale. That isn't working for whatever reason. Um, and I think after Bale <laughs> being a bit more settled with uh, Lopez Aguirre coming in, um, has apparently said he's possibly going to leave in the summer anyway, after all of that, you know, so it's kind of like, it's not a happy camp at the moment, but, I don't know, any, any team that's got, you know, Varane in defence, Modric in the midfield, you, you, you can't be struggling as much as they are, you know, you just can't.
1: One name I saw linked this morning with the club was uh, Leonardo Yardim, their former Monaco manager, so. Oh yeah, yeah. Would that work for you? You know, not necessarily magic convenience. So it actually comes in with a. I mean, nothing's ever really long term at Madrid, is it? But he's mm-hmm. he's available. Could that be the man to take the job?
0: Yeah, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a bad one. Um I mean, like, uh, if if we're being absolutely honest, po- Pochettino would crush that job, wouldn't he? he? He would be he would be the perfect man for it. You know he'd it it' sort of you know what it's like it took him a couple of seasons to trim out squads to exactly how he wanted it um, and it's, it's paid dividends has done it on an almost zero budget can you imagine Pochettino with the transfer Kitty Ooh, he'd, he'd, dangerous, he'd get, isn't it? yeah he'd get some of the world's best players and then Pep Guardiola like he'd make them better you know
1: yeah I mean to be honest, I don't think this statement will go down too well with Tottenham fans, but eventually I think he will become Real Madrid manager. I don't know when, but Real Madrid, I agree. They, they always get their man in the end. Now, whether we're talking two yeah. years, five years, maybe even mm-hmm. ten years, like he will end up there because he's, just, he's almost the perfect man for the job, but it's not the perfect club for him, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I do. I don't, I don't think it's the right timing for him either. I, I think he's better off. I'm, I'm trying to be as objective about this as possible yeah. because I really don't obviously I don't want him to leave but yes he would be the perfect fit for them but he'd never take it mid-season might take it next summer yeah you're right because of the you know he won't take the Barca job because of Espanyol um, but he'd definitely take the Madrid job Um I, I, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it depends, doesn't it? Like, say say we get into the new stadium, um, and then we suddenly do find we we have a, a, you know because the the Nike deal that we've just signed. Um, I'm not going to get onto the moral issues I have with Nike right now, but if if that that Nike deal that we've just signed up till 2033 is pretty much paid for. What was it? It's more than half the stadium, isn't it? So, you know, you, you kind of do feel with the NFL and the other re- revenue streams. I don't actually feel like we're going to be in that much of a hole. So I, I, it would be interesting to see now if we slightly change our model. We've already broken the, the wage structure thing with Kane and Ali now and Ericsson and all the rest of it. Um Sorry, no, not Ericsson, but with Ali and Kane and a few others, you know. Um, if 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 Levy decides to suddenly give him money, he he doesn't really have a huge reason to leave at that stage. He's earning eight and a half million quid a year. He knows he's not realistically going to get fired, even if we finish, like, fifth or something. Whereas the Madrid job, it would be a similar salary, maybe even a bit less, actually, Um and he could get fired in, what, what slope of he'd been there for three or four months?
1: Yeah, if you include the summer. I mean, probably two yeah. months of actual active service. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: of actual football. I mean, that that's just ridiculous. Po- Pochettino's got to be looking at that and going, why Why would it bother? And like you say, most managers worth their salt wouldn't. I, th- I think this is why, for example people like Guardiola with the obvious Barcelona thing would, would never go to somewhere like Madrid because even even like big, big clubs like Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Man United to a certain extent and um, definitely City, they're, they're not as, you know, trigger happy, are they, with their managers? You know what I mean? They do tend to give them... They, they just seem a bit more balanced, whereas the Madrid thing and Chelsea and all the rest of those kind of clubs, they, they're, they're just kind of like, oh, well, if it doesn't work perfectly immediately, you, you're gone, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not a model I agree with, but it's, it does seem to sort of work to a certain degree. But that's a different story for a different day. But there are more stories. Oh, sorry,
0: about- sorry, yes. sorry. One last, one last thought. I just thought the, per, the perfect guy to see them through the end of the season would be up Angers. He's, he's just oh, yeah. retired from Bayern, um, but he's won the Champions League with Madrid in just before the, you know, full era. 98, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 98? Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not doing anything. I'm sure he could handle the strain of doing doing Madrid on the basis that he he knows he'd, he'd be able to retire properly in the summer. It, it kind of makes sense, you know. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, yeah.
1: That's fine, mate. Not a problem. Um, the Spiegel—they've been busy again, as they mm-hmm. and Football Leaks have uncovered plans for a European Super League. Now, these are often mooted. You get one sort of, I don't know, roughly every eighteen months or so. You always sort of—it's yeah. a story that keeps sort of. Coming around now, can you ever see something like this getting off the ground? Does the game need this and just let the big clubs go off and do what they want, you know, because they are almost too big for the domestic games, respectively, around their own countries? Or would this be an absolute disaster for football as we know it?
0: A disaster, yeah, absolutely. St- straight out, um, first thing, uh, it, it would be the biggest ever slap in the face to the generally working class communities that have built those clubs up to begin with. It's a complete fuck you to all of the proper fans. Um, but the global markets, where where it's at, you know, um, I mean, there aren't like, I don't know, however many Millions of followers they've got, but there, there, there aren't 60 million Madrid fans in Spain. You know what I mean? No, there isn't. Um, you know, or well, there might be. I don't know, <laughs> but no, no, they won't be in similar for Barcelona and Man United and Liverpool. Um, what What would happen is they they would be free of things like financial fair play, although as we're getting onto that in a second. That's another story as to whether that actually works anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe that was UEFA's sweetener to Paris and City, if, you know, we'll kind of let, let this slide if you don't, you know, fuck off and form your own breakaway thing. Um, I, actually, I actually hope FIFA acts, and if if they did it, what FIFA should do is, is, say, anyone who plays in that league is is banned from international competition in, in a show of solidarity with UEFA. Um, I, I think if they did it, <clears throat> that's that's the only way of, you know, enticing players not to go off, because you could then go off with the kind of commercial revenues they'd be paying. You wouldn't have to pay licences to FIFA and all of the rest of it. They could, they could pay feasibly... Players like a million pounds a week, and if you're like a 21 year old superstar, you know, you're gonna go and you know, you're gonna go to glamorous stages all around Europe. You know, every other week there'd be less games, Um, it would be a glorious life, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, would their football even be better? Would it even be that competitive, really? I mean. do you you know what I mean like it would siphon off all of the best emerging players but it would it would also you know because of the no relegation thing it it would almost be like friendly matches exactly you'd have so many
1: dead rubbers wouldn't you (laughs) because only one team can actually like win the I don't know what the format would be if it ever come around but say if you're languishing in a league like that and you can't get relegated for 20 years like you know, you if you were sort of thirteenth, fourteenth for the European Super League each season, would fans want to support your team anymore? Because let's say if you're PSG or Juventus and you're used to winning your domestic leagues out of Canter every year, but then mm. when you go up against the best of Europe and you're not actually that good in relative terms, surely you then become less of an exciting proposition to, to fans around the I guess the world, no?
0: Mm. No, I, I, I fully agree, mate. Um I, I I don't know. I mean, the brands are established well enough, you know, with with the kind of modern marketing methods that become further established, you know. But it, it would be rubbish, you know. It would be it would be rubbish. It would just be terrible. I I, I said this as well. I, I mean, I so, I said this to. Um, I was having this discussion with someone the other day. Not that we're invited. But said if Spurs ever broke away and joined something like that, we, we both said we would stop supporting the club we've loved our whole lives. Because why would why would you support them doing that?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And also that, I mean, it's a European Super League in name, but let's be honest, Arsenal versus AC Milan, that's definitely getting played in Beijing, isn't it? So, do you know what I mean? There's no way... That... Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, the, I, I highly doubt most of the games would even be in Europe. No, you know? exactly. So, I mean, it would... And actually, you just came on to a great point. You you just sort of hit on one of the clubs there that aren't actually in it or whatever. Um, but you get those, you know, that thing, and this is the thing that really, sorry about that, the thing that really stuck in the throat about the format was these clubs are allowed to, quote-unquote, invite five guests a season, right? So, can you imagine teams like... I said this on Twitter earlier, but can you imagine teams like Paris and Manchester City inviting clubs like Ajax and AC Milan... It's an insult, really, isn't it? to ...to be guests in the European elite guests AC Milan seven times European Cup or Champions League winners F- Ajax four times City and Paris what I've, I've, I no. think one of them's got to like a quarter final so
1: what? he got to the semi-finals didn't they? I and mean, I think they both got to semi-finals once but oh, PSG yeah, was yeah, in, yeah, in the early
0: yeah, 90s yeah. when they weren't this yeah but PSG did, yeah exactly PSG did it when they weren't PSG yeah exactly in, in the way we know them that's now that's right um But yeah, I I think that would be an absolute slap in the face. You know, City, to put it into context, have won less European trophies than Spurs have.
1: That's right, it's absolutely right. But But in
0: fact, they've won less than Villa, Nottingham Forest, and probably a load of others I can think of. And they would be inviting AC Milan or Ajax as guests to the European elite. (laughs) Fuck right off with that
1: Someone else mentioned They said "Oh, If, if the European Super League Went ahead It would be great for Tottenham Because then they would win The Premier League And I thought to myself No it would be awful Because why would you want to win The Premier League When it's oh, not the shit. Premier League As you know it Do you know what I mean This sort of Almost oh, like that, a halfway that, house That
0: That moronic Line of thought on quote-unquote football Twitter, which I have complete disdain for, in case you couldn't tell by my time.
1: I've got a sense Uh, of it. That was about as
0: subtle as a (laughs) sledgehammer in the face, but I thought I'd clarify that for the more dense of thinking, anyone listening. No offence. Um, so, completely went off. <laughs> what was I talking about, even? About it it would be, but yeah, and they'd be like, oh, imagine not even being in this. Imagine winning the league without dot dot dotting. You yeah, know exactly. what I mean? You'd you just wake up, you'd see it first thing, and you, you'd, 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 ha, you'd already have all day rage, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, something that else could cause rage here is the fact that Man City, again, to Spiegel, doing some excellent work. Um, mm. turns out they're not as self-sufficient as we first thought. At the same time, does this actually surprise you? And if it doesn't, I mean, there's not really been a great deal of like outrage or clamour to be like, things need to change, like they need to be punished. Is it just a case of shrug of shoulders and tell us something we don't already know?
0: Yeah, it is. And the fact that people are just accepting of it now is, is the, the most shocking part about it. Yeah, it's the it's thing almost maybe, it? like... People just do not give a fuck about any form of moral code anymore. You know, any form of moral code. Um, De Spiegel, very quick note on them with the Mayoga-Ronaldo thing. I'm, I am I, mean, they're, they're, they're renowned for having the best investigative journalist, journalism team in the world, pretty much. You know, maybe the New York Times, but... in in the world and they they largely just focus it on sports things and it's it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant what they do they fact check and verify everything they double fact check and verify it they run every single word through their lawyers you know so every single thing they're renowned for having that level of integrity in everything they do so for example when when Ronaldo's lawyers are like, oh, it's fake news, it's like, no, it isn't, because it's from De Spiegel. So if De Spiegel is saying City have somehow bypassed this, and they, they have actually, not, not cheated, but kind of somehow found a way around it, you know, you know what I mean, by less than honest means, um, you can guarantee that is what happened. You can guarantee it.
1: We stay on the topic of Manchester City. They made incredibly light work of Southampton on Sunday. So half a dozen goals started home by Pep Guardiola's men. But the question I'll raise here is, do these kind of wins bore you slightly due to their one-sided nature? Or is it more of a case that we should be enjoying such brilliant football that is on display? And at the same time...
0: Yeah, enjoy it. It's great.
1: At the same time, do the likes of Southampton and Burnley have taken recent hammerings at the Etihad? Do they need to be doing better themselves? Because they're almost turning up with the mentality of, we know we're going to get stuff today. So let's just see what, you know, if it happens, it happens. It's
0: Definitely. Just... Do, you, do, you, do you think Leicester won the league by turning up to places thinking we, we, we can't win or at least frustrate a draw out with the top teams? Well, of course, but, yeah, it was the I, belief
1: that kept them driving on, wasn't it? But it must, I think, yeah, you're right in the sense that enjoy football that is so good and, you know, seeing a team yeah. at the absolute best. But you do have to start almost point the fingers at the, t- the teams that turn up and just roll over and have their bellies tickled, really. But
0: is it, it, is it, it's not any worse than at any other point in history, is it? It's not, it's not really. You think about, like, nine. you know, Man U dicking and, who was it? Ipswich 9 9 9-1 or whatever but that notes,
1: was. They were just sort of, like, almost one-offs per season. But now we've seen... Like 16, they, 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 they,
0: they, they, they weren't though, because you you look through that season and they they were doing other teams like four five 0 and stuff like that. And if you go further back and further back and further back, there were way more exaggerated score lines than there are on average in the Premier League. Oh, no,
1: of course, yeah, well, yeah, you'd be in like tens, wouldn't you? But um... it's,
0: it's it's because since that Barcelona tiki tacker thing, everyone's learned how to compress space and defend fairly well on the whole you know you know what i mean like um most teams can now defend okayish. so actually we don't quite on the whole we don't actually get as much exciting football as as we used to you know what i mean like you sometimes i mean when spurs are at their free-flowing attacking best it's, it's wonderful, but we've also got that really defensive side. Sometimes you think, oh, why don't you just try a few more risky balls forward? But managers coach it into their players. Don't do that. Retain possession for as long as you can. Be play patient. Build the play up. See if you can work opportunities. So, you know, it's not like Spurs. Even a few years ago, I went to one around Christmas, and it was 6-4 against Reading, and Berbatov, I think, got four. You know what I mean. That Wolves game at the weekend for us was a complete aberration. So actually, to answer your question, when I see these kind of things, I'm, I'm actually celebrating it because it's fun. It's it's actually almost like a throwback, and I, I think it's enjoyable. And, yeah, you're right, maybe, maybe they should be turning up and, you know... Do what players used to do, you know, wear your heart on your sleeve, get stuck in, you know what I mean, Like for all of, all of the things. <laughs> I won't go into West West Ham too much, but because I'm Spurs, obviously we know about the rivalry. But I love watching Scott Parker play for them. Uh, Scott Parker's, good God, sorry, uh, Mark Noble, um, because he just bleeds for that team. You know, you know what I mean? They're, they would be so much worse off without someone like him in their team, you know, and I want to see that more from, like you say, teams like Burnley and Southampton, and I think this is often a bit of a problem, it's okay when you've got loads of money and you're at the top end of the Premier League and you sign glamour players from Brazil or Belgium or France or Spain or wherever else in world football, it's absolutely amazing because you know they're going to be the bollocks, and if you've got a half decent manager, they can put it all together, and you end up with, you know, very good teams like like whoever, like Liverpool, United, City, Chelsea, any of that top six, you know, an improving Arsenal side. But if you like Burnley or I don't know, maybe not Huddersfield so much. They they do seem to throw their heart into it. Ditto Brighton. But if you're signing the lower level of, uh, you know, international players, they're they're not going to have the skill level, and they're not going to have the passion for those clubs. You know what I mean? They don't have a deep connection to those clubs.
1: They're almost mercenary so in a sense, aren't they? Almost.
0: It is. It is a little bit. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, they are professionals. Yes, they've of course, they've got, yeah. got they've got a right to make a living. That's fair. But as fans. You know, this has happened within our lifetimes, Dan, hasn't it? It's it's become more and more and more. We have got foreign players, and none, I know that horse has bolted, and that debate has been had years ago. But I do believe that's the thing. If you like, for example, a local lads playing for your local club that you've grown up supporting or in the shadow of the stadium, it, it means more to you. You know, you look at you look at Harry Kane's passion every time he scores for Spurs. He fucking loves that, you know. He's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? He celebrates it like a supporter. You look at Jack Grealish for uh, Aston Villa, and I know there was that whole transfer thing, but he's signed a new contract now, and he he loves that club. And if Villa come up, he will stay there for a season, and you'll you'll see that Jack Grealish won't let anyone around him. Even if they're other English players from various bits of the country, I don't give a fuck about Villa, he'll chippy them into caring, you know? Do, do you know what I mean? Like, Mark Noble is a rallier at West Ham, and which is why I'm saying they would be even worse off without him.
1: Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right, because you need that sort of player who's... Sort of bleeds their own colours, and mm. without that, you'd think, well, actually, where, where would we be without that sort of driving force? Yeah. And
0: it gives 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 more of a connection to the fans. Yep, what, Southampton, well. what Southampton have done is they've sold all of those yes. players to Arsenal, or Liverpool, or Tottenham, or whoever else. United, you know, all I mean, all of their first team that should be their first team now are all. Uh, the top clubs, they don't, they don't hold on to them for long enough for them to establish that culture, you know, so even young players coming through the academy there must think, right, this is my stepping stone, that's, this is my stepping stone club, and that that's desperate, even if they're like Southampton supporters, they're, they're still clever young men. Um, a lot of them, aren't they? You know, you see them come out of Southampton and they generally always seem, you know, they must have a great education thing there cause they always seem to come out really well-grounded, really well-balanced. Um, but they're not bleeding for the shirt. You know, they're just playing to move on somewhere else. And you, you kind of suspect Burnley have now started to go that way as well.
1: Yeah, I guess it's just a sign of the times, really, isn't it? But if we stay with the Saints quickly... I guess that defeat you'd hope is one in isolation, a very heavy defeat. But at the same time, Mark Hughes cannot afford to take too many more of those, can he? No,
0: um, I. Yeah, that that must have been quite embarrassing for Hughes because actually he did he, he actually did quite a decent job when he was City manager. You know, he was the first one of the um, the sort of mega money people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that will have hurt him personally, but I think he's quite a pragmatic bloke. Once he got out of the stadium, he'll know that, yes, they got battered against South, uh, City, but a lot of teams do, and this is why I said, do you remember me saying the other week, why I was actually positive, more positive after we lost to City than I had been in the five or six games before where we've been winning but not actually playing that well. Because we we played well in that game and largely kept City at bay, and that that is a good good sign for us, you know. The
1: win for City takes them two points clear of Liverpool as they were held at the Emirates. Something that saw me get my loser pool pick wrong this week, so I took a punt. It's backfired, but more importantly, were the Reds hard done by by Sadio Mane's first half goal being ruled out? For you, should the flag stay down or should it have gone up?
0: Um. It wasn't offside, was no, it? No, I didn't
1: think it was.
0: No. So, um, although th- this is going to sound like probably the worst thing I've ever said, and I can't believe I'm saying it on a public pod. Okay, go for it. No. Just simply because of the amount of shit that Liverpool fans gave Spurs last year, I-, I actually kind of wanted them to lose that game.
1: Fair enough. That's absolutely fine. That's rivalry so, for you. So. Don't get
0: me wrong, that, that will pass because now I've, their fury seems to have already turned well, it, it already turned to Real Madrid after the Champions League final, and now it seems to have turned on Arsenal after that game. They hate their draws with North London clubs, they don't do. they? You know <laughs> what I mean? But I, I just, I kind of, I don't know what it is. It's like, obviously, I hate Arsenal being spurs, but. You know, I kind of respect them because they are our proper rivals. You know what I mean? Liverpool fans somehow try to manufacture one, and I kind of want them to lose every single game now.
1: Yeah, I guess that's just a sense of um, (coughs) just where they are in their sort of stature in the Premier League. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. They have it it sort of died off after the Real Madrid game, and then it sort of got another cycle. Recently in the league game, and now it's sort oh, of it, it and...
0: got it, it. got it during the World Cup. It yeah, was like, yeah. you know, it's they, a they were hammering rivalry, really? for it. Uh, it's not a rivalry, no. not not it's... from our side anyway. Yeah,
1: it's a social media driven rivalry, isn't he? That is not it thats like the it is yeah. derby. It's like mm. it's something to steer clear of. But
0: although, although, actually, do you know what? I was very surprised that when they came to Wembley, the atmosphere wasn't more hostile from our lot, and I think that's the problem with. Wembley. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was never you, gonna, gonna you can us guarantee there. when we go up to Anfield for the reverse fixture, they're going to boo us from minute one. They're going to give us the treatment they gave to City in that Champions League. Um, was that the semis? Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah, quarters. Quarters. Sorry.
0: Oh yeah, Roma was the That's semis, right. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, but you know what I mean. They made it hostile. They made it aggressive. They were booing. They'll do that to us. And I feel like how fans at that game missed a bit of a trick to do that to them there.
1: To be honest, I was at that game, and I was loath to say this, but there was so many of the football tourist element with half and half scars, and there was a lot of Liverpool Uh, fans around me like celebrating. I sort of you have to sort of live and let live, really, but it's not something I necessarily agree with. The stewards should be doing their job and hooking them out, really. I agree. Too many Liverpool fans around me clapping, celebrating.
0: Although, on, on a very quick anecdote on that note, I was watching a George Best thing that someone posted earlier, and he scored, it was like the record for United at the time, it was six goals in the game, and I don't know if that still stands or not. Yeah, it probably does actually, do, surely. Uh, you'd think so. You would have thought so. Um, in, in a competitive game, anyway. And the great thing was the the commentator said even the referees supporting, you can't imagine that. But behind the goal we banged it into. I think it, I think it was against Cardiff. It was clearly a Cardiff stand, but then there was just this little patch of United fans getting up and going nuts, you know. And all the fans around them did absolutely nothing. Can you can you imagine that now? Yeah. <laughs> if they if they went nuts, they'd, they'd start getting punched. Absolutely,
1: yeah, for speak- sure. Things are just a lot more tribal these days, but let's focus on Tottenham. In the past week, I know you said, and you just referenced this actually, you were optimistic after their recent defeat to City. I um, was. That optimism has been rewarded handsomely, is not it really? Because yeah, I, I agree. Not yeah. only the win with Wolves, but also progress in the Carabao Cup. So, could that West Ham win be the real ignition spot that the club need across the winter months?
0: No, I, I think weirdly... I still maintain that it was the city game because whilst it would have been disappointing, when Pochettino is going through the analysis with his players in the you know, on the training complex, he'll be saying to them You you played well and other, other than Lamella's shocking finish, and I would have put you know, the four in, I would have put money on him well, you would not, have, really. in into an empty net. Uh, you know, we we were good for a draw, I think, in that game. You know, and I, I think he'll have said, "Look, we can compete." We were a little bit, little bit unlucky today. Um, although you wouldn't have said a city win was harsh, particularly. You know what I mean? But a draw wouldn't have been a it wouldn't have been completely unfair either. And I think he'll have pinpointed that and said, "Look, you went toe to with the champions. It was a game of very fine margins. You held them off brilliantly." you played really well and i reckon that's what's led on to this and again even against wolves apart from that i mean let's be honest that game should have been 3-0 you know you know what i mean for god's sake the penalties you know it's like other than two penalties we we completely dominated that game from pretty much start to you know, apart from when they got their tails up when they got their first one and the second one, we, you know, that should have been 3-0. Um, I actually think, and this is probably another semi-controversial thing, I still actually think Foyth, um be- take the penalties out of it. I actually still think he had a really good game against Wolves, you know?
1: That's what Pochettino said, didn't he? He said it's not mm. about penalty so much, you know, he got three points and... Those sort of two moments in isolation, although sort of frustrating, almost just take the gloss off his performance.
0: So I th- think- I, they they do and they don't. I mean, you, you think about the first one that that was that was completely on Trippier. Yes, a more experienced head probably wouldn't have tripped him. But what is Trippier trying to do? Trying to nutmeg someone on you know just outside the eighteen yard box. And do what? Just clear it. You know, I mean, I, I I love Trippier, absolutely love him, but that was comfortably his worst game in his Spurs shirt, comfortably. Um, and for the second one, it was poor positioning that meant Foyt had to cover on his own because Toby Aldervoy- Aldervireld, for some reason, really doesn't seem to be able to play on the left side of the centre-back pairing. And I know they're... They are very, you know, minute details, but you would think a a, a solid centre-half. I know he's played almost all his career to the right of Jan Vertonghen, you know, whether it was at Ajax and then at Belgium and now at Spurs, but surely he could be doing a little bit better than he is at the moment. I I think he he left Foyth to kind of cover that one on his own, and again, he made a mistake, um, but actually I think Foyth had a better game than, say, viral, Ben Davis actually had one of his best games in the Spurs shirt. He did a lot of very subtle things. He was filling in a lot of the um, the p- p- uh, positional spaces that Viral was leaving again because it's not natural. I would have been tempted to stick with the, the Sanchez-Foyt pairing for that game. Do, do you know what I mean? Because they looked monumental together against West Ham. They looked comfortable, they looked natural together. Um. Uh, yeah, Foyce played on the, the right of that Sanchez on the left, I think Is that right? Yeah, he did you're right.
1: um,
0: And Sanchez looked fine on the left So, even even if you're going to play Sanchez and Alderweireld Given that Sanchez had a very good game against West Ham And he seemed to be able to play there absolutely fine Why didn't he just do that? I it seems, seems weird
1: The only reason it would have been, I think you're looking at three games in what six days for Sanchez? Probably one game too many because he was the only yeah. player who didn't get dropped or rested. Shall I say? After no, playing no, no, no,
0: no. I mean, I mean, when he when he came on later.
1: Yeah, I mean, you make a very good case, um, but I, I guess centre backs all about partnerships, really, isn't it? And I think it's sort of mm. it has been a case of just trying to make do as of late with what Tongan being out. It's it's a nice problem I, to have. I agree. The is in the mix. Oh,
0: it's it's amazing. I think I think. Foyth, and you know me, I'm not one for hyperbole. I usually go down the cynical route when judging new players. With the West Ham game, and 99% of the stuff he did against Wolves, obviously not the penalties, which will come with maturity and experience. He won't make those mistakes. I actually genuinely think he's going to be in the top... I'll say three. I'll say definitely the top five centre backs of his generation. I-, I just think he's got everything. Wow! Uh, no, I-, I really do. No, no, I-, I really do. I rarely say it about players. In fact, the only players I've said it about in the last five years, I think, have been Dalit, um, Donnarumma, the you know the AC Milan keeper, and um, yeah, now Juan Foyth. I think he's actually. Oh, and Mbappe, obviously. Um, but I, I think like you know you know what I mean, apart from the ones that are already firmly established superstars, the the, th- the three I've now got left. I think Foyth looks like he could be as good as Delit. I I genuinely believe that. And what what I'm kind of thinking is, if we can keep them happy, Sanchez and Foyth playing let's be honest, back up to CPN and Toby because they are still our first choice centre back pairing, they they have to be. And when Jan's fit, that's going to be fine. I've, I think we'll find we'll stop conceding as many. Um, but went for the rotation games. So I'd throw Foyth and Sanchez in. You know.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair shout. But I, I, let me throw this one at you then. Like, if you sort of make Foyth in your sort of top five of his generation, how does he get the game time to be that player? Because. That's what I'm saying.
0: We need to keep them happy for another two or three years until realistically Alderweireld and Vertonghen will both probably be just about past their best at that point. Um, and, you know, they'll probably be looking to move more to somewhere like Italy or wherever. Do you know what I mean? Where it's a slightly lower-tempo game, but they can, you know, still be excellent. Um yeah, or Spain, or somewhere. You know, you know what I mean. But if we can keep them happy, then. Oh, you did? You mean in like development terms?
1: Well, I guess a bit of both, really, because not necessarily development, because I think he's almost got the tools already. But from a sort I, of I from a sort of um, the, ne- the necessary minutes, because three years is still quite a long time, and there, there has been whispers that he's perhaps unhappy. He's not getting the minutes he feels he deserves. Obviously, this has been sort of. Um, he slightly over
0: I actually, over the I actually read. I actually well, no, I read that a few weeks yeah. ago that he was unhappy, and I was like, <sighs> I have no idea because I knew he was highly rated at the club, but I've only really seen him play the odd cup game, and it's usually against you know far weaker opposition Newport. like Newport County exactly or whoever else. So it's quite hard to judge. I mean, you look comfortable on the ball and comfortable defending and all the rest of it. But it's hard to judge against Newport County. When I saw him play against West Ham, I was like, my God, he's right. He looks first team ready now, you know. So perhaps might be a bit controversial. Maybe maybe it is time to cash in on... You know Toby Well
1: this is the question I was going to ask Because that's not going to Go away that rumour That's only going to Spark up You know when we get to Just before Sort of Christmas time Jeremy window's going to open You're going to start Sort of seeing the links Of United are going to Want to drive themselves Up the league And to do that They're going to need A centre back You know You're going to right. put 2-2 two two together You're going to get About 67 aren't you But
0: mm.
1: You know Do you then Tottenham sort of think Okay do we cash in Do we have enough At our disposal To sort of see us through That's the the only worry I have for Wayne Forth is not him being good enough, it's keeping him happy enough to make sure that yeah. when he really, when we pull the trigger, that he's ready to sort of play every week. I just think he's probably got too much ahead of him at the moment to really sort of be the player is, he, is he, wants.
0: Fo- is he Is he fourth in the packing order?
1: I'd say he is, really, because then I think mm. it's too much of a stride this quickly to say he's better than Davidson Sanchez. But, you know... So it's like I say, it's
0: a nice problem to have, and I'm I'm glad. I that. think, uh, by the way, I, I I think Sanchez as well. Um, I I reckon he could be a top five centre back. Oh as yeah, well. he's got all the tools I, as
1: well.
0: I mean, it... I, th- I think this is why I always, you know, when people bang on about signings and stuff all the summer, all summer, you know, you get half the Spurs fans, you know, the, usually they leave the out brigade, make signings, make a marquee signing, and you think like. We've never done that, really. We we get... We, we seem to unearth little gems from places. You know what I mean? You know, like, well, like Jan Vertonghen, Christian Eriksen. Well, the Ajax pipeline,
1: isn't it? So Yeah, you know,
0: exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, all of them. But but Sanchez looks just amazing as well. He, he does. So, uh, um... Like I said, until Yang gets back to full fitness, I would be sorely tempted to play Foyth and Sanchez together, like he did against um, West Ham. Yeah, I know, I know Sanchez needed needed the rest, and that that's absolutely right. But you know, now he's had a rest. I would be sorely tempted to play those two together. He he won't because he it. it, it and I, I and I get it. If I was a manager. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is a big European tie, for example, we have to win it. Would would I risk not playing, let's be honest, still one of our best players in Toby Alderweireld, even though he looks really uncomfortable and not, not brilliant in the left side of the pairing? Um, or does he be brave, see what he saw at West Ham and looked how solid those two were to, to get, they looked like they'd been playing together for years, it was incredible to watch really
1: I think in that scenario it's, it, I think it's down to bravest really and I think unfortunately you'd make a rod for your own back because if you made that decision and played Foyf and Sanchez together and you won you'd be lauded as a genius if you don't mm. win you'd be like well why on earth didn't we play Alderweireld so you can't but, really but, win in those
0: but, but, then on, uh, but shouldn't managers be a bit more like they were in the old days to a certain extent you know, they're there to manage, aren't they? They make the decisions. They, they should have the bollocks to to do it. And I'm, I'm not Pochettino. I wouldn't have the first fucking clue in how to manage a, a football team. Not, not really. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Unlike people who sort of master career mode on FIFA or, like, the great yeah, football, the
1: bedroom
0: pack, managers. F- football manager geniuses who think they know how to solve all the problems at a club. It's so different in real life. You know, you're dealing with actual human beings for a start. So, you know, giving press conferences on the football manager where it improves the morale of your squad. It doesn't work like that in real life. You're going to get some twats in the dressing room, in every dressing room. You're going to get massive egos. You're going to get shallow egos, the ones that get wounded easily. Blending it all together is, is a total nightmare, you know. But I do kind of feel like, I do feel in this case, some things are quite are quite obvious to to see. You know what I mean. You watch the West Ham game, Foyth and Sanchez. They just look like they slotted in absolutely perfectly. They, they covered for each other. Um, you know, Foyth was on fire. He made what two or three goal saving blocks, including a nylon goal line clearance. You know, Sanchez was just statuesque. I I, I think. Do it. That that would be what I'd do.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens at the weekend, and that brings us nicely on to our loser pool picks of the week. So let's review last week. JS's uh, 100% streak continues. So <laughs> will we be able to uh, carry that on this week? I am, um, like I say, got mine wrong as I boldly went for Liverpool to get the better of Arsenal. While Carl, Cole, I hope you're listening out there. I hope so. Anyway, um, he went for Palace to lose at Chelsea, and he was correct. So, JS, it's time to put your money where your mouth is once again. Um, who is going to fall flat this week? You can't have uh, Cardiff or Southampton. So, you've got to cast net <laughs> slightly further afield. Do,
0: do you know what? It's really tough this week. The, there are so many open, Critique, Yes, there are. Yeah. Right. I mean, Arsenal, Wolves, City, United, Chelsea, Everton, even, even Palace, Spurs, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Huddersfield, West Ham. I mean, even Cardiff, Brighton, Southampton, Watford of Burnley, that I've just rolled off all the fixtures. That's great. <laughs> um, uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Fulham. Yeah,
1: I had a feeling that might be the shout. but um, Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in that. I mean, Fulham, they lost last night. It's, I mm. guess in terms of better, they only conceded one, but this is a sure. one against the Huddersfield, the Huddersfield I, team. They can't I don't the get
0: it. I don't get it. I really don't get it. They they signed really well in the summer. Um, it's just not all clicking into place for them. Whereas you know my other picks would be comfortably safe. Wolves have, have just kind of clicked, haven't they? All, all the new players. Um, yeah, they're really struggling big time. Yeah, um, and... I, I can't see can't see what what would change that. Maybe a new manager.
1: May, well, yeah, I think I hate, I hate saying it. I hate that. But. Yeah, you don't like to advocate managers getting the sack, and it's also harsher when a team get promoted because it's almost a case of, well, what have you done for me lately? Like the fact you've got the team out of a, the the league of the championship, which is such a hard league to get out of. That in itself is achievement that should be lauded. But unfortunately, you reset the clock to zero, and you've got to do all over again. So if you're not, you know, 17th or above, it's crisis. So I'll say a couple more games for Fulham. They've got to, you know. They almost need something against Liverpool, but whether they get that, I don't know. But for me, I'm going to go for Palace to lose at home to Tottenham. We've done quite well there as of late. It's been sort of tight results at Selhurst Park, but at the same I,
0: time, I always say it. I hate the old cliche, but it depends which Palace turn turn up. You're right, I mean,
1: but at the same flaky.
0: time, we said we said this, didn't we, before the start of the season? They've got all they've got all the players there to challenge even for like the top six they just don't they just don't they're, they're so inconsistent all of their players are so inconsistent they can turn up and got a just you know deserve draw against Arsenal but then no, knowing Palace you know they they might get a draw or even win against Spurs and then go you know lose at home to Fulham or someone the next week you know you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, but they seem to be saving their best performances away from home this season. So I just think that might help Tottenham on, come Saturday. I don't know if it's because like, the Homesdale fanatics aren't there and it's that atmosphere's flat and it's not helping. Oh, yeah. But yeah. just something's not right at Sellers Park. I why, know,
0: why did they do that?
1: Because they wanted to sit in a more central position behind the goal as you watch it on telly to your left. And I think mm. that request has been granted for next season, but obviously that's not this season. So that atmosphere's mm. sort of been lost. So whether that's. I think it plays not an integral part, but it's certainly not healthy. It does
0: so? Um... Although, although I do, I do feel not at Wembley, obviously, but Spurs, Liverpool, and Palace definitely have the best three atmospheres in the in the Premier League, but you know by quite a distance, I reckon.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair shout, actually. Um, obviously, Palace not this season, but I think you're right. No, and definitely,
0: definitely not us this season. No,
1: absolutely not, no. I've Like I said last week, I'm not actually going to go to any more games at Wembley. I'm not going to Spurs until we move back into the new stadium. No, I'm
0: no, no, in now. no, I've no, no neither am I. I've, I've been going to... Well, actually, I did it last year. I, I just went to away games. I went to a couple at Wembley early on and hated it. Yeah. And just just bother, I didn't bother, so I've I've only been going to away games live. So
1: good, man, and also I've got a guest pick for my brother this week. So Christian, thanks for uh, chipping in. So uh, this is the guest pick. He's gone for Wolves to lose away at Arsenal, which considering oh. they've lost, um, is it three in a row now? Wolves, yeah, I think mm. they're just just wobbling slightly, and I think Arsenal sort of mm. they're being like good this season, so. I think there's certainly logic in that, but Wolves are capable of getting a result. But I just think Arsenal, you know, especially after passing a relative test against Liverpool, you know, they would have been disappointed they didn't win, or either side would have been disappointed they didn't win. But to get a a draw against Liverpool sounds been good stead for the game against Wolves. So he feels that Wolves will be uh, beaten by Arsenal. So that's uh, just a recap. I've gone for Palace to lose at home to Tottenham. JS has gone for Fulham to lose away at Liverpool. And my brother, Christian, has gone for Wolves to lose away at Arsenal. And they are our pool Picks of the Week. And I think that already is about the hour. Yeah, it is about oh, the
0: God. hour. Do we even cover any games? <laughs> Not really, but it's, it's, oh, well.
1: sometimes it's those kind of weeks. So there's been so much, sort of, like us say, off-picks action that... Um, yeah, so I think apologies to about 16, maybe 14 Premier League teams to get a shout this week, but... There's good reason, and um, like I say, sometimes it's not necessarily about what happens. in... Maybe
0: a quick word on Leicester beating Cardiff. Yes, that was, that's that it. was very nice. Yeah. And Schmeichel's um, post-match interview and his tribute just shows the the pure class and the the love with which they uh, they they held their chairman really, and I, I think it's been really nice nice to see, you know. Absolutely. That's... And and actually, all the other clubs.
1: Yep. Yeah, all the course, other clubs.
0: Yeah. West Ham Spurs observed that beautifully, you know, given that it's West Ham Spurs. Um, all the others did as well. So, kudos to the Premier League. I, I liked the wreath the lane in, in games. I thought that was a very, very classy touch. Um, so, yeah. And... Um, Yeah, good. I I was very happy Leicester won this week. It it felt right.
1: I think everyone was. And to be honest, mate, that's an excellent way to sum up this episode of the podcast. So I'd just like to thank you for your thoughts for the last 60 minutes or so. It's been an absolute pleasure as always.
0: Thank you very much, Dan. Highly appreciated.
1: Cheers, JS. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is The Real Football Cast in association with Loser Paul. And until next time, goodbye.